And thank you for waiting for episode 102. I'm Joanne. My co-host, Christy Farrell, is with me getting some coffee. She'll be back shortly. Uh, We've got uh, just a kind of a shorter show for you today. We're going to talk about some news stories. I want to share with you uh, some updates on the rally that I'm volunteering for, for the Women's Sport Bike Rally. It's coming up in July and September, ladies. So all my sporty, performance-oriented friends who want to come to a women's motorcycle rally, I hope you'll join me. So I'll talk a little bit about that. I also am going to share a couple of outfits that I'm in the process of reviewing. They both happen to be Gore-Tex suits for women. There's really only about four suits on the market for those of you who want Gore-Tex. And I'm going to share with you the two uh, suits that I have, and I'm going to review those very soon. I'm waiting for the weather just to get a little bit more cooperative so I can ride in one of them. So I'm going to share a little info about those. Um, Oh, I've got an event coming. I'm going to do another track day in April. So if you're considering track days this year, I do want to share a ladies-only track day coming up. And that's with Class Motorcycle School, or actually I think he calls it Class Rides. And it's Reg Pridmore's motorcycle uh, track day school I'm just gonna put this down and it's happening the week of April 9th it's happening on a Wednesday on the 11th if you sign up by March 11th it's 225 and it's happening on the streets of Willow in Rosamond California that's in Southern California uh, Gigi Pridmore is Reg's wife and she's one of the instructors and she seems awesome. Um, she really is trying to do a track day that's a little bit friendlier for uh, women who either have never been to the track. Um, if you just want to ride with female instructors, more female instructors, um, if you want to take a class on the track that's a little more street oriented, um, really the goal of th- this particular track day is improving your riding skills, not your lap times. So it's a really great class. We'll post a link to it on the show notes. Or if you just Google classrides.com and go to the calendar and you'll see the All Women's Day on April 11th. You'd better With come coffee? see me when you're in town. Yes, I have oh, my coffee. Oh, you, you'll have to come see me because I'm going to mm-hmm. have to be in and out. I, I can't take all week off, so I'll oh. be in... Tuesday, uh, fly in Tuesday as late as I can, and then ride Wednesday, leave Thursday morning. Oh, I don't well, have in that a case, lot of time. Doesn't doesn't sound very uh, doesn't sound as leisurely as the last visit you were talking about. No, no, not a leisurely visit. Um, and it's peak, and the season's starting in April, so it's it's kind of busy for us, and we're still down a person in the showroom. So if anyone's looking for a new job and you want to sell motorcycle gear with me, check out Rosella's website because we're hiring. Um, so yeah, I'm going to do that in April with uh, the Pridmores. That should be awesome. I've read so many good things about their track date. So I'm excited to, to check that out. 
just flying out to California for a track day and then flying back. Well, well, you know, can't really have the same experience here. Well, the other reason I'm doing it, because I normally wouldn't do that, is because Brittany's going to do it. So really don't have a lot of opportunities to do a track day with her. And it's a ladies-only track day. And Gigi messaged me about it. And... It's just a unique opportunity, so I thought, why not? Because I never, I never do that. I never fly home for track days, so you won't even be home. That's no, the sad part. No, but the exciting part is I'm going to try to rent a Honda because I'm not going to have a bike, and mm-hmm. I think they have uh, CBR 300s, or if not, I'll take a 600, whatever. Um, so that should be fun because I've never ridden a Honda. Not really. I've never taken one for a test ride. I've never ridden any of the Hondas except the old Nighthawks in my MSF classes when I was well, teaching. You, so. you rode a Goldwing, I thought, for a day, didn't you? I rode your on it. In San Francisco? Yeah, I rode on the back of a Goldwing, but this is oh, different. I, I never you ridden. actually rode it. No. I was on the sidewalk. He showed me reverse, but I actually wow. actually drive it. No, I'm let not going to drive a red wing. Let me just Goldwing. brace myself for a second. Joanne has lived a Honda-free lifestyle. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, a Nighthawk. That counts. And a scooter. Well, I, I rode guess. A, <laughs> rode an Elite 150, you know. But yeah, I haven't ridden any other track bikes, any other sporties, no. so I'm excited. So going to have to rent one of those. But yeah, apparently they have Hondas to rent. So hopefully they'll have one left for me. So that's what I'm going to be doing in the next few months. Um, oh, and then while we're on events, I'll go ahead and just throw out the Women's Sport Bike Rally. It's coming up in July. Registration is open. It's really affordable, really inexpensive. It's about $70, $60, You can bring a guest if you like. They're half price. Uh, it's going to be a really great event. We're going to have it in Camarillo, California. So that's about two hours, hour and a half north of L.A. Maybe, yeah, it's an hour and a half North of LA on 101, so really close to the coast, not as far inland, a little bit easier to get up the coast to go riding or down to Malibu. Um, so that's July 13 to 15, and it's at the Hilton Garden Inn in Camarillo. So uh, I will be there, I hope, assuming I can get the time off. I plan to try and be there. So that's July 13 to 15. That's all I'm doing for the next six, seven months. Wow. You have your uh, your year <laughs> planned out. That's amazing. Well, just those two parts of the year, you know, not the whole. Well, okay, I do have the rally in September. But, um, yeah, I'm this year I'm trying to do more vacation, not vacations, but more time off more frequently. Rather than waiting like six months to take, you know, time off, I'm just going to try to take time off like every other month you know take a couple days here a couple days there a break yeah Yeah, that that sounds blissful i'm used to doing one of those well gotta Uh, gotta get it yeah Yeah. i know so i'm gonna do that's why i'm gonna try to plan my year out a little bit better yeah what do you have got going on over there miss um honestly uh well i guess i should let our listeners know why I've been so exhausted is um, I've been covering for my boss at work for like oh. the last six months since she's been out on medical leave. She's oh. supposed to come back next week, but based on the current calendar, 
Um, I'm still going to be probably pretty busy through, I think, mid-April. Mm. So I've been stressed, and I, I go in and work on Sundays. And in addition to that, I mm. also uh, do a lot of pit shooting for Supercross events. So I'm kind of in and out and gone and not in my bed. And mm. <laughs> God, I, I just miss like sleeping in till 10. Well. It's been a while. So uh, mm-hmm. when it when it comes down to it, the excitement factor of sitting down and recording has not been at the height of my list. And to give you an idea about how stressful, because I know that everyone can relate, um, I think I've reached the point where I'm just so stressed for time and mm-hmm. so wound tight with all these things constantly going through my head. Oh, my God, I have to do this. That I went for a ride with my buddies yesterday, and I just... It was fun. Uh, boyfriend let me borrow his Ducati, and uh, and that was mm-hmm. uh, as fun as it could be. But I just kind of wasn't into it, and that feels so scary to mm. to no. not quite enjoy um, riding. And I haven't really been out riding very much because I've I should probably make it more of a point since it's still warm and sunny out here to uh, to go uh, commute on motorcycle in the morning. But I just haven't. Uh, got around to it because I've been in really early and out really late so it's been kind of a little bit of a sore spot but um yeah so I've been to the last normal though to have yeah. ups and downs it's totally sure. totally normal even though you know motorcycles are amazing and they're awesome it's not always awesome for us I think as riders sometimes you don't feel like it sometimes you're just not feeling it for however you know stress is a huge mood killer and yeah. it's totally normal for you to be like because eh, you know and while it was in fantastic company it could also yeah. just be that it was a group ride and not maybe. like a, a solo ride yeah maybe so i think i probably need to have one of those solos in my future but um yeah, yeah a quick quick story on that i went with uh, jenny from rider magazine and we were at uh, newcomb's we started uh, with her and her boyfriend and then my buddy grant out in um where were we sunland area and then we took a back road and then we came up uh and ended up at newcombs and then we took the angeles crest back down to my house Mm. and a guy walks up to jenny while i was talking to her and he says Uh um hi are are you do you work for Ryder? Oh. <laughs> so she has her own fan club, so Aww. it's really quite cool to have uh, witnessed that uh, moment. Guy in his 60s was just uh, giving her lots of positive feedback about some of the, the latest articles that they've been running, and they're on their 500th issue, so I think this one's mm. going to be uh, more than a 100-pager. So if you're already a subscriber, welcome and if you have not subscribed to Rider Magazine, uh, might want to try to find it in, geez, I don't even know, other than um, other than like a CVS, which out here you don't even see motorcycle magazines. I don't know where you would see it on a shelf. Dealers. Dealerships usually have magazine stands really? or something. Yeah. God, the BMW usually. dealership that I went to, I don't think they ever had any um, Not magazines. all of them. But yeah, so needless shops. to say, if yeah. you're if you're interested, they're still on the full push for I believe uh, eleven to twelve issues, um, and uh, and I'm sure they would ha- be happy to see you uh, log in and sign up for a subscription. 
Yes. Uh, sorry, just like pop, totally popped into my head. Speaking of magazine subscriptions and our industry, I thought we'd talk about sales, motorcycle sales. In the last, I think, few weeks, there was a a story. Well, Harley announced its earnings. And uh, as we know, the stock market also fell rapidly earlier this week. I've been hiding under a rock. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this article. So under paperwork. Yeah. Basically Mm -hmm. sales are way down for Harley. They're closing one of their largest, I guess, plants in Kansas city and they're going to consolidate, I think in Pennsylvania. And yeah, I didn't even know they had a plant in Kansas city. (laughs) I thought everything was in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize there was one there either. Um, so yeah, there was a, Nice little mention about it on Common Tread. But there was an uptick uh, or a good good side to that uh, um, press release that they sent out, which was they are going to produce the Livewire, the Mm. electric motorcycle that they tested a couple of years back. It'll be the first production electric. And I think when they say production, they mean like massive scale production as opposed to smaller brands that produce a hundred at a time, I suppose. I wonder how much that's going to cost. I mean, if a regular Harley is already like $20,000, at least the larger ones, how much is that going to cost? Interesting. Next year, they're going to try to bring bring it to market. It's at 18 months. Basically, their sales are down uh, 82% fourth Mm. quarter. Net income down 82% from a year ago, but that's partly due to uh, the new tax law and costs for a brake issue. They had a brake recall, Um, Mm -hmm. and then the stock market dropped in Did you read about the contents of that brake recall? No. Let me just click on it really quick. If it was the one I recently read about, it was that deposits could collect in your your brake line if you don't do... The annual or regularly scheduled maintenance two years service intervals, yeah, which I thought was kind of funny because basically, as Jensen pointed out, if you're not doing your regular maintenance on your brake line and flushing your fluids, you're probably a bad, you know, a, a, a bad motorcycle mechanic, and mm. so they're basically doing a recall based on people's lack of uh, follow up with maintenance. Yeah, it looks like. The NHTSA investigated more than 400,000 Harleys from 08 to 11 because they received multiple complaints of front and rear brake failure, including one from someone who crashed into his garage door. Whoa. Interesting. Hopefully he was not moving his motorcycle and hopefully he, um, well, even if he was moving his motorcycle, hopefully he was wearing a helmet. Does that... I wonder how the brake fluid change changes with ABS. If you have ABS. You, if you have ABS, you're not a part of the recall. I read that. So if you have ABS, then you don't have to change your brake fluid as often. That's what I'm guessing. Well, you pro- no, I think you still have to change your brake fluid as often, oh. but I don't know what the, I don't know. It wasn't part of the recall, no. Chemically, what what the difference is if there is a, a explanation. Because I was told on my BMW. Um, yeah. F650 to do it every two years as well. Mm. That's that. That's that handy little reservoir that's sitting up on your bars. Yeah, 
if you're like if you were like me when you owned a BMW, it's just kind of cruising on your handlebar, yeah. and you think, "Gosh, this is kind of a a scary place for uh, a a delicate little <laughs> part of the motorcycle, delicate yet important." Speaking of delicate, like one of the uh, topics or kind of issues, I think that are um, that is important, right, relevant right now to a story like Harley's sales dropping in the U.S. and I think other manufacturer sales are dropping in the U.S. too, even though they're up around the world, like Triumph. Right, they're doing well globally, but in the U.S., they're down a little. Their sales are down a little bit, I believe, um, like year over year. But the issue with that is that theoretically, right, that means we're losing new ridership and how do we increase ridership? And that's like a constant, I think it's a constant discussion right now in, in the industry. Like how do we get more people to start riding? But I bet you a lot of, a lot more people are riding with used bikes because mm-hmm. they're cheaper. Yeah. That's all. Not and being able to track used bike sales. It's painful, right? So on the one hand, okay, yeah, the new bike sales are down, but I don't think it's a scary as it seems, because I'm sure many people are doing used. I haven't done a brand new bike since 2003 or 2004 is when we bought a new Cowie. So it's Mm -hmm. been 13, 14 years since we bought a new motorcycle, but clearly we are still riding and we haven't stopped riding. And yeah, I kind of like a a bike or a auto, automobile for that uh, matter with a scratch already on it because it takes the pressure off of me dumping it well that that too i like um, i like it properly broken in well for me uh it's usually not my motivation i i am a little worried about that but i just want to save money yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to save money and for me the extra $3000 isn't worth it for a few upgrades that I don't see to be a huge priority. Sure. Yeah, it'd be nice to have ABS. It'd be nice to have traction control. It'd be nice to have a fancier computer. Mm-hmm. But I've been riding this way for a while, and I think I have pretty good braking skills. I don't feel the need to rely on ABS. But at some point, I think I will want to upgrade to something that has some of those cool computery. Um, accessories to I miss ABS I you know you. well it's hard I'm sure when you have it to leave it you know mm-hmm. but yeah at some point I will but I'm not gonna sell my bike today because I want ABS but I think in my next upgrade whatever whatever or whenever that is I will I think look for some electronic uh, add-ons for sure but another, like, I will link a copy of this Common Tread article Lance wrote about the uh, about the stock market drop, and he talked about the Harley sales. Um, an interesting kind of discussion that arose in their comment thread was, well, how do we get new people in? But why aren't we? Like, why can't we get, you know, why is it that a lot of <clears throat> people aren't getting into motorcycling the way they used to? And... One of the arguments was, well, millennials, they want different things. They don't want the same things that we wanted. Um, a lot of people are far more apprehensive about doing things that are perceived to be life-threatening, dangerous. 
not only that, too risky. how do you how do you possibly ride a motorcycle and text and check your Facebook updates <laughs> at the same time? I mean, I just well when they I, have the computer <laughs> automatically let me know what's going on. Um, that might be helpful. I, don't I, know I think if it's I think it's media, also but... uh, I blame everything on social media. Um, I. Uh, I also think, yeah, of course, I think cost is woven into that because I think, um, I don't know, at least the kind of uptick in, in spend that I see in my neighborhood, which is Silver Lake, is that, um, you know, people go out and they get the fancy coffee and they shop at Whole Foods or Gelson's or um, Trader Joe's, I think, is definitely the cheapest of the three. And you're you're spending more on on consumption in other places, and I don't really know if that leaves a whole heck of a lot of money elsewhere to go out and uh, and buy a new motorcycle. And you know, I do agree with Joanne and, and the used bike sales. I wish there was a better way that we could track that. While Joanne is taking a momentary break, um, some good news potentially about uh, where the industry is going, at least as far as Europe is concerned is that Dorna announced that in 2019 there will be a FIM Moto E World Cup as well as just a um, Moto E race in general, which is just like MotoGP except with electric bikes. And Moto E, hence the E, Moto Electric, um, Energica is the contractor who will be supplying the electric race bikes to interested uh, race teams and because Dorna wants to see the the Moto E World Cup be successful they're supplying to I think it was the seven major race teams uh, two Energica bikes and then a couple for the Moto 2 and 3 paddock I was just filling in listeners about mm-hmm. some Positive news, at least as far as Europe is concerned in the future, that they're going to have Moto E, which is GP's electric class. Ooh. That looks awesome. When's that starting? Next this season? 2019. Ooh. It's exciting. Because they also want to have a uh, Moto E World Cup in, in addition to Moto E like Moto GP. Mm. And uh, for the first season in 2019, they will have five races and they will all be European, of course. Set with the same uh, Friday practice, qualifying Saturday, and races on Sunday. So, Energica, good for them. Um, hopefully, it will bring a little bit of interest into the electric bike uh, industry. But uh, also, what's going to happen when you stand in uh, in the pit lanes and, as an enthusiast, uh, trackside, is you won't have that whole... It'll just be... It is. It's kind of neat, though. Like, I went to a, when they were doing AFM uh, e-bike racing, the TT, what do they call it? I totally forgot the name of it. Um, I think it was called the TTX JP, and it was all electric bikes, and it was up at Thunder Hill. Uh, It was, it was cool, because you're just waiting for them to come back around, and then there they go, but... You're still watching the same thing. You're just not hearing the same thing, you know, Mm -hmm. still it's, I don't know. It's like you're wearing, I don't know, earplugs or something. I I don't know. It was cool though. I thought it was pretty fun. There is uh, something funny I saw. um, 
I believe it's on Instagram. So if you look up Aaron Plessinger's, uh, I think it's Aaron Plessinger 23 is uh, his Instagram account. But uh, someone had posted Aaron doing a, um, a vocalization of how he rides his two-stroke over different parts of the track. So in other words, he's, he's looking at a track, a track map overview and giving people a, oh, and here it would be... <laughs> and it was really funny because everyone who speaks two-stroke will know That's that funny. basically the sounds aren't just, you know, something humorous. Like, you know when you're giving it throttle, pulling back, etc. So he, he was kind of giving an outline of when he'd be, you know, throttling out and, and cutting throttle and with all that stuff. So at any rate, just the noise uh, factor of it was kind of interesting. And I know there are people who are huge GP fans who could probably do the same thing based on uh, a track map. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the electric bikes. Um, when they used electric bikes up at um, Pikes Peak, they had uh, a weird little whine noise that was attached to it so mm-hmm. that they could... And it it was just kind of a constant beep so that you knew when the electric bikes were coming because, as you know, Pikes Peak can sometimes be... A little bit of the wild west and they don't have they have they don't have a lot of policing um they're getting better with their safety but they would have pedestrian pedestrians um people all up and down the 14 miles of the mountain and you could pretty much cross if you thought you could make it successfully some people haven't um but they needed to have some sort of noise for the electric bikes because I think people tend to make some ill-advised decisions about crossing the road mm. at uh, bad points in time. So if you were to run during the electric race and not know that something was coming, that would be catastrophic for both the the audience as well as the rider. Mm. Interesting. That's true. I think people just like it. It's just natural to have some kind of noise the rider wants something. I think on the Bramo, they just had it there so people had something to hear. Not because it served any purpose. Sure. Can you imagine how many races you could have at Laguna Seca if it was electric and barely made any noise? I think the whole reason why noise is such a huge issue and why racing is so difficult to occur at uh, Laguna Seca and testing is their their noise levels because basically Laguna Seca was... um, I think Laguna... I can't even remember how old the track is, but... um, Lots and lots of residences in that area and lots and lots of very expensive residences and people Mm. with money and associations. Mm. And since Laguna Seca's track is run by the uh, by a a county funded uh, publicly funded organization, it's a it's a little bit of a, a hot point, which is why on test days, which are during the week, they have. Uh, sound sound recording devices on certain parts of the track to make sure that you're below, I don't even know if it's 80 decibels, which sounds really low. But hmm. um, imagine the opportunity. If electric bike uh, racing picks up, maybe they could get enough money to redo and, and remodel the track at Laguna Seca and we could see racing more frequently. I wonder if more electric bikes come onto the market you know, in small displacement or whatever, if more people would want to ride too. Like, oh, it's electric. I wonder if that would motivate people to want to ride. 
I think making things a little bit easier and taking some of the scary factor out of it would definitely be a part of that. That's why I think scooters, as as Joanne and I have said, scooters are the gateway drug to motorcycling. Mm -hmm. You don't... um, you don't really have to focus on that whole manual transmission shifting clutch issue. You just roll back the throttle and go. And God, nowadays, how many people are actually learning manual transmission? I know how to drive stick, but it's been a while since I've gotten in a stick vehicle. In Europe, everyone drives manual transmission. Now we drive only manual transmission. Now I can't imagine going back to an automatic transmission after driving hmm. the manual. It's so we'll much move fun. Back to San Francisco, you guys might change your mind. I don't know. I I think <laughs> I don't know that I would because hills. I know, but if you live there, you don't tend to find places that are on a really steep hill. Like there's really, literally, there's only a handful of those, and you can avoid them. If you want to get across town and get where you need to go, you can totally avoid them easy. Sure, and I avoid steep hills in my neighborhood as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I did. I totally avoided them because there just weren't, I just wouldn't go that way. I went the other way and still save, you know, still in the same amount of time. So there's so many ways to get around. You can totally avoid it unless somehow you end up in a house that's on one. I guess, sure, you have to get used to that, but... At this point, I'm pretty much used to it. It's not not a big deal, but it'll be months, years before we can afford to possibly move back there anyhow. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've gotten actually a lot better at hills in the Jeep, and i got a lot better at shifting in that car. And the for me, the biggest difference of shifting that, sorry, that kind of makes me shift better and makes me a better manual driver is how close my seat is to the steering wheel. If I don't pull it back far enough, then I end up over accelerating. But if I pull it too far back away from the pedals, then I don't accelerate enough. And it's hmm. this weird it's balance. Your foot can't reach. Well, my foot's <laughs> reaching, excuse me. My foot's reaching, but the travel, the give, right? That friction zone. Um, if I'm too far into it, it doesn't, I won't get the timing right. If I'm too far out of the friction zone, I won't get the timing right. So for me, it's all about seat distance because Mm -hmm. he always pushes the seat way back and I just have to move it forward a little bit more, but if I don't get it right, then my shifting's all off and it's just a weird balance. You should, um, inside that car, uh, take, uh, take some blue painter's tape. Doesn't leave a mark. And put, mm. um, a, I'm assuming you have, uh, I can't remember what the inside of a Jeep looks like, but I'm assuming that either on the door or on the um, shift area down uh, low, there is a place where the seat lines up against some of those plastics. And mm. if you can put That's a, a little idea. piece of blue painter's tape down there, um, just for you to see and not, you know, broadcast it to everyone else in the car, you could try to line up your, your seat with that every That's time. Idea. I'll try that. Yeah. I just kind of rough it now, and if I feel like, oh, God, I'm way deep into the friction zone, I need to scoop back. But, yeah, I try, it's kind of a hit or miss sometimes, but, yeah, as long as I got my seat distance right, I'm good. And then it's super easy, and it's really fun, and I really enjoy it. I'm always kind of bored if I'm driving a rental car or an automatic, and and I can manage uh, my speed better, so it's it's great. I love it. I don't think we'll ever go back to an automatic until I get older 
maybe I, my knees are giving out on me. I'm sure I will. So, so you know, something I forgot to mention uh-huh. as uh, something I might be doing, uh, the mm. only event I can see in the horizon that isn't work-related is um, Babes in the Dirt. Mm. It's about an hour away from me, and it is the weekend of April 27th to 29th, and we're trying to get uh, Jenny and Julia and maybe one of my girlfriends in San Diego to come up, and it's uh, basically similar to Babes Right Out, except it's dirt-related, and it's in a campground, uh, the SVRA in Hungry Valley, and it's in Gorman, which is about an hour outside of Los Angeles. And I just got back my two-stroke, and it runs. Yay! So after years of having that sucker sit, I finally reached a point where I can start it up. So I'm kind of looking forward to using it somewhere, and I think that would be the perfect venue. You should totally go do that. I've heard the Babes in the Dirt is really good. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard that it's great. Absolutely. So so close to you. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Someday I'll get my ass in the dirt. I don't know when, mm-hmm. but someday. Mm-hmm. someday. That might be a good... Uh, well, actually, someday might be May. I forgot. The mm-hmm. man wants to do American Super Camp. Huh? And that's in Delaware, I think, yeah. Maryland. Yeah. forgot about that. I need to look at time off for that. Yeah. So that, that might be fun. Should be fun anyway. So I guess I will be getting into the dirt soon. I forgot that he wants to do that. I still want to do Con Edwards boot camp, but mm-hmm. this is closer and cheaper. So, but we're still, that's yeah. still in the long term. But the exciting uh, firearm portion of Colin Edwards is the one that I see the most social media and, on. And the street portion, he added a Supermoto day. Huh? Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not so much Supermoto, but. Oh, um, any opportunity to ride in the street on a paved road with Colin Edwards, I'm in. Dirt or paved, I'm in, but it just makes it even more fun, I think. So, yeah, we totally want to do that. I think at this point, next year, we tried, we thought about doing it this year, but I think we're going to aim for next year because you can do it before or after MotoGP. But we'll see. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to save up to go to Colin Edwards's camp and you're going to come out to Austin and you're going to do it around the time of GP, always pick the one after. Because that's the time that most of the GP <laughs> mm-hmm. riders will be joining him. Mm-hmm. You won't see a lot of uh, a lot of those guys like Rossi join him before because, well, he's probably sleeping and training and hoping to not break very valuable parts of his body right before a pretty critical race. So mm-hmm. there's Maybe. that. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. What else? Oh, uh, let me just quickly throw out these two reviews I'm doing. Um, one review that I think I mentioned, because I got this back in October-ish, is the Revit Neptune Ladies Gore-Tex suit. It's a multi-layer suit, so removable Gore-Tex, removable thermal, so fully three and a half to almost four seasons. And then the other Gore-Tex suit I got is the Carvemaster Two from Dainese. So a little different arrangement it's a Hmm. always waterproof Gore-Tex suit with a removable thermal liner Um, it has what we call a z-liner and so that means the Gore-Tex liner is sewn into the jacket but it's not laminated like a climb suit so it's a little different temperature riding 
Um, it does have some venting, but it's not direct. But it's uh, more of a sport touring fitted suit. So for me, the reason I prefer a Revit suit or a Dainese over a climb is mostly for the fitment because I don't ride adventure bikes. I don't ride touring bikes. I ride my sporty bike. And adventure touring gear on sporty bikes doesn't really work very well. Just the fit is all wrong. The legs are, the pant legs are too big. The cut is just too straight. It doesn't work at all on my riding position or the way I like to ride my bike. Um, I just prefer a sportier fit. So if you are a sporty lady or you just want something that's a little more tailored, a little bit more um, fitted and just maybe aesthetically, you and that which is totally fine to not like something because you don't like the way it looks, that's also part of my preference as well then you're probably going to like either of these two suits. The Neptune, though, is more adventure touring-oriented because it does have a boot cut, more of a boot cut pant fit, maybe a slight flare to it, so you can put it over a dirt or adventure-style boot. So they are thinking about more adventure touring women, dual sport riders, but the fit is still far more preferable for me even on my bike it just has a different silhouette it just fits me better and fits my body better you would have to have a crazy flare uh, on the boot Uh, if it was going to cover my cd adventure gore-tex it probably will because there's big velcros so you can make it tighter so it flares enough for a big boot depending though i mean it still may not um but actually, yeah, those are leaner than most adventure boots. Yeah, that's the, the hardest part of me wearing jeans is that some of the riding jeans have a little bit of flare and a zipper. And that's um, at least the one mm. I'm familiar with is the Alpine Stars variety. And mm. unfortunately, with the zipper, um, the flare is not enough to get around any boot that I own. And mm. so I'm always kind of tucking my um, tucking well, my. Then you may need a custom at some point. You may need a custom jean, and then you can get them. Well, I just can avoid uh, getting. I can just avoid getting things with zippers at the ankle, and then I'll probably be much better off. I'd say that's not a very common feature. No, I'd say most women's riding jeans don't have zippers on the bottom. But metal, metal towards um, uh, you know delicate parts of your body, probably not such a great idea. No. Oh, and if you are looking for custom riding jeans, you need to check out Worse for Wear. For anyone who's out there searching for ladies only. Sorry, guys. You have to find your own stuff um, <laughs> for once. But Joanne can help you. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, there's a million options. You don't really need custom because you have a million options. Um, but yeah, the I'd say the actually, and with the Dionese suit, they did the same thing. There's a zipper gusset on the bottom. So you can actually open the zipper quite a ways and get it over a bigger boot. I don't know that it would go over an adventure boot but it's not a super slim, tight pant leg like the Drake's, for example, like the new Mm -hmm. Drake Airs. Those are super skinny. But these, since there's a liner, they made it bigger. And I think they're also trying to get it, uh, make it work for touring folks. So if you're touring or sport touring and you do have a big boot, it does have a pretty big, uh, it zips open pretty wide at the bottom. It kind of threw me off because I'm not used to... Dianese fitting like that, but 
since it's got removable liners, generally speaking, when you buy a pant that has removable linings, they usually make the the outer pant fit a little looser, right? So you can fit these linings versus a pant that doesn't come with any linings, you know, will be a slightly slimmer fit compared to its linered counterparts. So I'll hopefully post a review of both of them in the next few week month or so. I haven't had any time to ride in either suit because it's been freezing. Hmm. And the only time the weather gets better is when it rains like today. So come visit stable. I think I may. Well, I do need to do some rain testing. So I may actually Hmm. go out in the rain this week because at least it's only 50. Maybe it's going to be 60, I think, one day this week. But then it goes back to 40s when it stops raining. So when the rain comes in, it gets warm. And then when it leaves, we get crappy cold weather again. For me, I just, I'm, I'm, I was so close to turning on the air conditioning the other day. Oh, God. That's nice. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) I hope your electric bill is like $1,000. February Um, in 83. That's bad. That's just global warming at its finest. Um, Our weather is just it's been wacky. It's been, it's random. One day of 50, back to 30. One day of 60, back to 25. And the weather just keeps changing. So, but I think I will try to do some rain riding uh, this week from Lucky Fact Time today, even. I'll go out for a little spin because the Dionysia suits light. That fabric, the Magello ish fabric, it's like a stretchy. And it's light because I wore that jacket when I went home and I rode, uh, you know, for like three days in it. And I was kind of cold, like with the liner in, it just wasn't as warm as the Revit jacket or the Ruka I've worn. It's just not as hefty for, I think, really cold riding. I think it's better suited for mild winter riding, not 40 degrees you know, high 30s. I think you need a heated gear to really make that work better. But, um, yeah, hopefully I'll have uh, both of them up. I want to do like a back-to-back comparison kind of review so you can see the differences between the two. Awesome. Yeah, so that's all I'm working on besides waiting for warmth. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just about wraps it up because I know Joanne wanted to... Uh, Get out for. I have a massage. I'm going to be honest. Got a massage scheduled. Doctor's appointment. No, Um. well, it's got medical (laughs) properties. But um, hey, at least we came back to you in a couple weeks, huh? So stay tuned. We will do our best to come back to you whenever we can. We appreciate you hanging on. And I think early mornings totally work better for me. I feel, uh, despite the fact that I went through two cups of coffee, I feel modestly more articulate than the last episode, which is the whole reason it took a little while to come out because I I just can't tell the difference. You sound great struggling. (laughs) But clearly, we are more comfortable in the morning time. Um, Yes. So yeah, we will try to work on our schedules and try to meet back up in a couple weeks. In the meantime. Message us on Facebook.com slash Motorific Podcast, on the blog, Motorific.com. That contact email on Motorific.com is the best way to get a hold of us. That way we both see it. Um, so send us 
emails that way or post on the Facebook page. That's awesome. Uh, let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you think. We hope you have a great couple of weeks and we will talk to you soon.